0: So I think that when you're in the mud, when you're mid-project, like where this team was, and you're dealing with very nitty-gritty requirements about daily balance transfers and whatever, pick your detail, I would love for someone to ask, does this make sense? What's the point? Is a question I'd like to hear more. Are you innovating every day? Are you are you doing something different or new and making things better? This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct to consumer companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo.
1: really excited to have my next guest on the pod. Uh, he's the Chief Marketing Officer at Quantic. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron.
0: Hey, Joe. How are you?
1: Doing quite well. Doing quite well. Uh, yeah, I'd just love to just jump right into it. How about you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and who you
0: are? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm Aaron. Like you said, I uh, work for Quantic. Uh, i been on board for closer to two years at this point uh, as Chief Marketing Officer and uh, what a journey it's been. So um, Quantic, I'll just go Quantic first real quick, just a quick cursory overview, and then um, sort of uh, the role I've played for the past uh, couple of years here. Um, and so so Quantic's been around for a little over a decade. Um, my boss and CEO, Stephen Schnall, bought a bank in distress um, during the uh, financial downturn around 2008. Um, and, um, at that point it was a very sort of like sleepy, humble community bank outside of New York city. And, uh, if you just sort of hit fast forward, uh, 12 years later, we're a national digital bank. We're fully online. We were recently named Forbes, uh, top online bank. And, uh, we got customers in all 50 States. We've got employees in 37 States. And, um, obviously if you sort of, uh, you know, go through the individual chapters beginning to end, there was a lot lot that went into that, and I think the past couple of years have really just been an exciting upswing for uh for us here at quantic
1: awesome maybe we can uh dive a little deeper into that what was it like to uh, go from that small bank to uh, one of the top rated banks across like you said many various categories and Forbes and such
0: well uh, as I joined I think uh, quantic was in was in the process of, of tran- mid transformation right and so um, at that point, it was interesting. It was, it was a bit strategic um, where we sort of um, said it maybe before it was completely and entirely uh, accurate, right? <laughs> but, you know, our, we created a, an aura, we created an identity, and we started to do things that truly were digital, right? And so we said before we did in some, in some areas, but in truth, we were step-by-step, step, you know, transforming into the full digital bank that we are today. But as I joined, we really sort of were, were, were talking the talk uh, and mid walking the walk, right? And so um, it was it was a really sort of fulfilling journey going through uh, a lot of the hard steps to you know in terms of like the backend technology and to you know we're talking about you know a bank core and modernizing that and connecting that to things like modern applications and uh, lots of nitty gritty details there. So. I think both from sort of like the back end of, of things, but also sort of the face of things. One of the biggest achievements that we had over uh, 2021, my team specifically, was um, a full .com overhaul, um, which included also a domain change. So if you went to the site a little over a year ago, it was QuanticBank.com. And it looked really, really different. And we think it looks a whole lot better, both from a branding standpoint, for uh, more importantly, for, from a customer experience standpoint. Um, and yeah, that was one of the big things that we were able to achieve over the past year or so.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, speaking of brand and establishing that brand, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would, uh, would be curious from your perspective, uh, of how do you really establish that brand in the midst of like a digital transformation?
0: Yeah. Um, it's really hard. So, um, I think the only way, the only way that I found it to work is to have it be authentic. And I think that takes takes a little bit of time, right? You can't just start to, um, you know, make wholesale changes to, you know, all areas of, you know, where the brand might manifest itself online, you know, on paper, in person, or all that stuff. So I think alignment upfront is key. And that takes time and a whole lot of effort. And if you do it right, in my experience, it should be a bit of a struggle, right? Like you should have some uncomfortable conversations where, you know... Um, I recall one of the one of the key stakeholders on the leadership team just digging in. uh, We're a community bank at the end of the day, and by technical definition, we're under a certain number of billion dollars in assets, which, by strict definition, uh, traditionally that puts us in the community bank category. So the conversation just sort of had to be had, right? Like, okay, so by strict definition, in that sense, we're technically a community bank. What else makes us a community bank, right? On one side of the Um, the line? And then what constitutes a digital bank on the other side of the line? And going through that sort of exercise, like we were on the other side of the line. It became clear as day that like the things that constitute a a digital bank is is who we are today. And so um, we could have brushed past those steps. I'm thankful we didn't. Um, So yeah, I think it needs to be authentic and it probably takes a bit of time to get there.
1: Absolutely. Authenticity is key though. I think you have to have that. Uh, piece to really drive growth in your brand. In terms of what you guys are doing at Quantic, one of the things you're doing is bringing the dream of home ownership to others that can't access that. So I like to always ask my guests that are in the financial services industry, what does financial literacy mean to you and why is it important?
0: Yeah, I think financial literacy, um, it, it's, uh, it took us too long, right? As a I think as a society to get here you know, the the fact that, you know, kids can become adults without understanding what an interest rate is. I think, you know, um, that it's not fair. It's not fair to the, to the generation, you know, coming up. And I I certainly, uh, didn't get that in, in schooling. Personally, I was lucky enough to grow up with a father who taught me economic lessons, you know, as early as six years old, I set up a uh, Aaron snack shack in the front driveway. I uh, took some chips and soda from the, uh, from the pantry. And on my way back at the end of the day, um, you know, my dad charged me $3 and 50 cents for inventory. So, uh, I was getting my economic lessons pretty young, but I think for most people, uh, historically speaking, it just has, hasn't been something that, you know, we've deemed important enough to, to, to teach kids. And so that's changing. I think technology plays a huge role. I think people's expectations are changing and that makes it all better. Right. So, if we open up a financial app, we expect to see certain things. And that's awesome, right? Like we expect to see tools that help us budget. We, to, we expect to see easy ways to sort of push money to and from um, accounts that make human sense, right? So like, you know, um, being able to sort of label an account for a certain purpose, right? Um, putting things in, into more safe spaces and, and parking lots, like all, all of these even the words and the ways in which we're sort of calling accounts technically like it's all moving in the right direction so i'm really excited about that all that
1: that's awesome i I did see you speak about digital only approaches to pushing the industry forward uh so i'd love to ask you what what does breaking down barriers in the banking system uh mean to you
0: yeah well it's another thing that's that that is hard and probably should be hard right so you're talking about a space that's that's heavily regulated and, and for really good reason, right? Uh, compliance is key. You know, regulatory bodies are, are necessary because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're financial institutions and and um, there needs to be some checks and balances there. So in terms of, um, you know, if you just sort of zoomed out areas where, you know, it's ripe for innovation, you know, financial services is tough, right? Like it's it's hard and there's good reasons why it's hard. So I think a lot of the fintechs over the past you know ten ten, fifteen years specifically have really paved the way, and I think you know um, it's going to be interesting to see it evolve, but you know, how much do banks innovate from within, which again is really hard, versus start to plug things in, right? Start to plug Fintech solutions in or actually plug things out into other um, into other sort of destinations with banking as a service another new acronym. We get a new acronym every, every couple months. So um, yeah, there's all sorts of ways that uh, this is, this can develop. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think back to my earlier point, I think the, the winner is the consumer, which I love, right? I, I love when uh, it's, it's clear to me that things are moving in the right direction. And so if companies are trying to figure this out, I think, I think people win and that's uh, that's a really great thing.
1: The more wins you rack up, the more of a better culture, I, I feel, you build within within your company. Uh, speaking of culture, uh, it seems like you guys are growing crazy. I, I see your LinkedIn updates uh, that you're hiring and uh, growing your employee base. Uh, so what's maybe tips on retaining talent? Uh, you guys have seen such great growth. How do you retain that uh, talent within?
0: Yeah, um, we... We have momentum and I think that um, there's an intangible aspect, I think, you know, uh, when things are, when things are going your way, I think there's a lot that we could put our finger on to say that these are the reasons why things are going well, but there's some other just like background momentum that we have um, that I love. And I think it's giving us a lot of um, thrust forward. Um, We, you know, we try and whittled the leadership team, tried to whittle it down to five strategic objectives for the year. And um, in the beginning of 2021, we decided that one of those would be become a destination employer. And we actually put a bunch of tactical things that we felt like we needed to do to, to fulfill that. And so we came back um, at the beginning of this year to sort of revise and review. and we kept that on the docket as one of our five sort of you know strategic objectives for this year. But the one word that we modified was, instead of become a destination employer, remain. Because we did it, right? Like, and we can actually point to a handful of things that we did that we felt validated us achieving that goal. Whether it's, you know, we've got an HR data uh, dashboard that shows us all all of the things. We're we're 60 plus percent women. We're super diverse. We're proud of that. Um, We're all over the country. Um, And, you know, I think those are the tangibles. The intangibles are the little things you do along the way that add up, right? And so um, the way that we onboard new people, by the way, obviously over, over video, right? Nothing's in person because we're all in on remote. Um, I think we, we're very self-aware that we need to compensate, right? Like there, if, if you're not acknowledging that something is lost by us all being in our basins, right? <laughs> If you're not acknowledging that, then you're probably missing something. And so we sort of like took that seriously. And how can we almost overcompensate for that lack of physical connection? And so the first week that you join Quantic, it's like, it's a great week. Like We make sure that you're meeting people, you're learning things, um, you're connecting with the culture. We have a chief empowerment officer. Her name is Casey Christopher. She's great. Almost her entire job is to make sure that we're delivering on this stuff, right? Um, and yeah, and then of course we have to make sure that we physically meet when we can. So we still get together in our uh, headquarters in Midtown at Rockefeller Center, um, the leadership team every couple of months, the marketing team twice a year, other teams at different durations as well. But, um, we, we nailed it actually. And I, am like, I, I know partially why, but not entirely why, (laughs) but, um, but at the end of the day, it's working pretty well for us.
1: Absolutely. I heard it's uh, you just have to find the right balance of people, process, and and innovation to really build that uh, thriving culture and uh, organization. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, innovation, how do you innovate when you're already digital first?
0: Yeah. Um, So the latest innovation that we did, um, well you know, let's, let's talk about the word innovation, right? So is it something that's completely new? Doing something that's completely new is, is again, I'm sort of going back to, it's really, really hard, but it, it is, right? How often can we do something entirely new? So, you know, the smartphone that's in both yours and mine pocket looks pretty similar to the one that was in our pocket eight years ago, right? Um, software's better, it's faster, battery lasts longer, screen's brighter, picture, pictures are better. Um, but it's basically the same gadget in our hands, right? So, you know, did, did Apple or Google innovate with phones over the past, you know, three, five, seven, eight years? Kind of, right? Kind of. So I think the big, everyone sort of points back to 08 and, you know, the big, you know, iPhone one reveal and like, yes, right. That's, that is new. That is new, right. That is something that changed, you know, there is before and there is after, and there was this innovative point in time. And that is, that is clear as day. That's rare, right? And so um, I also think that, you know, we, we try and bring a sense of humility to it because like we're not Steve Jobs, right? I'm not Steve Jobs. Steve, my boss is not Steve Jobs. Like we're not fooling ourselves here. But we think we, think we have um, a really great team and uh, a really great innovative mindset. So what can we do differently? What can we do better? So that's kind of the, the lines that we think along um, when we think about innovation. Uh, Another one of our sort of core principles, talking about sort of culture before, is progress with a period, right? So we're always trying to push the ball forward. And that to us is is a part of innovation. And so um, just yesterday, we launched the Quantic Pay Ring. And it's a wearable, it's a device that you wear as a ring on your finger. And just like contactless, where you hover your card over, you just hover your hand over with the ring, and voila, you just paid. and it's it's awesome, right? So I think back to sort of the the um, what is innovation? So did we did we do something like inarguably new, right? And create a new category, uh, you know, that is going to pave the way for the future? No, we're not fooling ourselves, right? But we came up with a really awesome product. We're bringing wearable into, into finance, and um, customers love it. It's already ta- it's already starting to take off. So it's a good example of us just not putting too much pressure. On the word innovation, it's just—it's a practice, right? Are you—are you innovating every day? Are you—are you doing something different or new um, and making things better? I really love that. Just
1: always trying to get better, always pushing progress. I think that's really important in whatever field you're in, whether it be marketing or tech or uh, in in banking as well. Uh, speaking of innovation or pushing pushing things forward, what's what sort of marketing trends or uh, marketing innovations if you will are you, are you seeing from your perspective
0: so from that if i zoom out it's it's the exciting part uh, in terms of marketing marketing technology is simplification right so we saw that the slide that has you know all of the players in, in the martech space and every year that slide got more and more crazily cluttered right where you c- couldn't even see like the difference between you know a logo and there were thousands of logos on that slide, right? And I think it's been becoming more simplified, and so um, it needed to be. I think that uh, it got overcomplicated for a while, um, and every year, almost, um, you know, without skipping a beat, you you if you were if you consider yourself to be a cutting edge, you know, digital driven, data driven marketer, which most of us are today, right? Um, you had to chase the the shiny new thing, right? So like 2017, like if you weren't thinking about attribution, well, you weren't worth your weight as a marketer, right? But the truth is, is that not everyone needed to do that, right? Really big, complicated companies, right? Um, what's a good example? So in addition to fintechs and finance that I've mostly spent um, you know, my time with, I split my time on the agency side as well as sort of the brand side for for fintechs and financial services. Um, And uh, I had a client, Sargento, right? So Sargento Cheese in Wisconsin. I visited their their headquarters, great cheese, right? So, but the bottom line is they need attribution, right? This is a consumer facing product. Uh, They spend millions and millions of dollars per year on all types of advertising. So attribution and media mix modeling is kind of core. Like they, they have to do that if they're going to spend their money wisely and hold themselves accountable from an ROI standpoint. But in early stage FinTech, right? Like there are dropdowns in Google Analytics that you can sort of leverage. Um, and that that will give you the different views in terms of very basic attribution, you know, last touch versus first touch. You could do very basic sort of, you know, U-shaped types of attribution, like kind of out of the box stuff. So is it as savvy or sophisticated or technically data-driven as some of the, you know, this, this big black box algorithmic stuff? No. And so the bottom line is is that I think a lot of us felt like we had to do things along the way when it probably didn't make sense a a lot of the time. And so, um, I'm happy that we are starting to simplify things, um, across the, the marketing and technology landscape and, um, yeah, it's another thing I'm sort of hopeful about. I think for a while there, I was sort of caught in that. I, I, I was not above that. I was in that, right? I was, I was chasing shiny things year in year out, and then it just sort of like when I pulled back a little bit and pulled myself out of, you know, that craziness, I started to realize like, what did I gain from from incorporating that new process or system or technology? Most of the time, the answer was that didn't really make sense, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> A little bit of wisdom, I guess, gathered along the way.
1: No, absolutely. It's Sometimes it's hard as marketers not to have that shiny object syndrome. Just, well, let me try this. Let me try that. Um, but uh, it's definitely something you learn as you progress uh, in your journey, I, I, I believe. Um, in terms of uh, tactics or maybe platforms, yeah, you mentioned Google Analytics as one of your tools that you use. And that's pretty common for most marketers. but what's maybe one, uh, platform like social media platform, if you will, that uh, you're really bullish on or really, um, uh, you see bright, bright things from, from an ROI perspective.
0: Yeah. I think for, for a while there, and it's still primarily true, there was a bit of a duopoly, especially on the paid side, right? Google and, and Facebook and now Facebook equals Instagram also. Right. So, and Google Ads as a platform, just sort of consolidating, so you don't have to log into, you know, Google AdWords and different parts of the Google sort of ad ecosystem, which is another sort of nice example of simplification. But um, beyond that, beyond that duopoly, I think, um, you know, I, well, I guess I'll, I'll try and answer it from more of a philosophical standpoint. So as a marketer, I'm a functionalist, right? Which it, at its core just means use the thing for what the thing is is intended for, right? Like functionalism, right? Like what is its function? And then let's let's evaluate that as such. And so we try and do that. And so um, when we're we're thinking about triangulating audiences and opportunity and creative and ad copy and all this stuff, right? There are certain places where uh, things belong, right? LinkedIn to more, you know, position us in front of our industry and peer group. we good example of this is one of the things that my team does is we're responsible for lead generation for the mortgage business, and um, as you alluded to before, we do community development uh, loans, um, which as a CDFI, we're enabled to uh, lend differently. Right, so we're not beholden to a lot of the strict uh, requirements, and therefore we're able to lend somewhat differently. Uh, to the benefit of people, right? Not everyone fits very cleanly in, into that uh, regulatory box. And there's a lot of good reasons for that, especially as there are more and more gig workers. Like everyone's work life is a little bit weirder than it was a couple of years ago, right? So there are reasons why, there are good reasons why all this stuff exists in terms of regulation and the requirements, but there also needs to be a bank, a place, a financial institution for people who don't fit in the box. And that's what Quantic is about. And that, those are primarily who we, who we lend to. Um, And so, you know, we've got all these campaigns up, um, around self-employed. And so we started to talk about not just speaking broadly about self-employed, but how do we, let's think about, um, practical examples of people in specific jobs and start to communicate, talk to, advertise for them, right? So actors, painters, artists, right? So is, is there a real volume there from like a business standpoint that's going to yield big results? maybe we'll see, but we're starting to think more critically about like different audiences. And so just back to the, to the question, um, we're going to go to the duopoly first. Like we're going to test this first on, on Facebook and Google, because at the end of the day, those are, that's where the demand is. And that's where we, that's where, you know, ads work the best today, uh, in terms of what's coming next. Um, you know, I think we're, we're not, I think it's a good example of not chasing the shiny thing. We're not, we're not on TikTok. We're not on any, any sort of like cutting edge social platform that you or I haven't heard of. Right. Um, so we sort of play within, um, you know, a space that is more, more proven and known with a wider audience. Um, but that's changing, right. It's all changing. And I think that, um, I think we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're from an, uh, an advertising standpoint, from a digital ad standpoint, it's still a duopoly and you could still succeed on on, on the two big players in the space.
1: No, absolutely. I, I like that functional, uh, being a functional marketer, uh, just being using the platform for what it's used for. Um, I do have a TikTok myself. Uh, you might not catch me doing the dancing. But <laughs> <laughs> I still um, upload some content there, but uh, I totally agree with you there. Uh, speaking of, I like to always ask this question, tell my guests. I think it's an interesting question. Uh, Question to just get into their insight, but uh, what's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish uh, you would be asked?
0: Oh, um, nobody ever asked me how my day is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I, you know, I, I do think a lot about what we're not talking about, and that's kind of what the question is hinting at, right? Like, what are what are we not talking about? So, you know, I, I think about. Most of my conversations now are with my leadership team, right? My peers, and then and then my direct team, and all the people um, that are doing various marketing functions for Quantic. Um, And you know, I think like what what's the point? um, Is a question I'd like to hear more, right? I think there's there's still a little little bit of um, you know whether it's respect or whether it's just sort of like the rules of the road. I think that I get I get probably challenged less than I used to, uh, and less than I would like actually. So I, I, I would like, uh, to be asked like more of like, a, just a head on sort of like, what's the point, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are we really doing here? And I, I, and I know that that's a big, vague sort of question and it could be applied anywhere, but, um, you know, even if I'm bringing it down to more practical standpoint, we're, we're launching at the end of this month uh, our second crypto uh, um, product. So we were first to market, this was early 2020, with a Bitcoin rewards card. So you can earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin. Um, And right now we're in the process of launching a Bitcoin interest savings account. So you basically you can earn savings, picture a high yield savings account, but for for crypto, right? Um, And it's clearly a lot of hard stuff and difficult stuff to to figure out there, which we've been working on for a while, but we're launching that at the end of the month. And, um, and I think that like the way that, the way that I see these projects go is like, there's this, this, this spike of excitement, right? Like, ah, like this great new thing that we're going to do spikes up. And then there's like this slow, you know, dealing, dealing with all the details. And it just sort of like hums along sort of like, you're stuck in the mud a little bit, like right? you're you're in the project, right? And then leading up to launch, it sort of spikes up again, and everyone's excited, and out the door it goes, and it's amazing. So I think that like when you're in the mud, like when you're when you're mid project, like where this team was, and this is not even mostly my team. This is the digital banking team we we helped, but um, it's led by Grace Page. She's great. Um, in the mud, right? Like when you're in it, right? And you're dealing with like very nitty gritty requirements about like you know daily balance transfers and whatever, pick your detail. Um, I would love for someone to ask, like, does this make sense? What's the point? (laughs) Right. Like, and I, I think, I actually think that that could like shake some people awake a little bit. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a bit long-winded, but that, that's
1: the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. What is the point? I think we need to ask ourselves more about why we're doing things and why what's, what's our motivations behind things. I think that's a pretty uh, insightful answer there. Um, mm-hmm. So I only have a couple more questions here for you, Aaron. Uh, we talked about a bunch of things, uh, the pay ring, uh, employer retention, just your amazing growth the last uh, couple, few years here. Uh, but what's maybe something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on so far in the interview?
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, uh, this this is a fun one. So um, next month, we are going to be launching Quantic in the Metaverse. And mm-hmm. so the idea being, you know, we're the first digital bank in the digital universe. Um, and it came up uh, as an idea from John Moss, who's uh, our VP of Marketing, and uh, that was like, I don't know, six to eight weeks ago. And we just shared out the prototype of what that's going to look like at the company meeting last week. We have a co- full company meeting every month and uh, it's incredible. And so um, I love the, the, the speed at which we're able to do things as a bank is something, really it's the only, it's the only way that I know how to do things for better, or for worse, uh, you know, move fast and move on. But um, this is a really good example of something that we just sort of recognized immediately as uh, a great idea, right? Like, did that require a bunch of research and, and user testing? Nope, right? So it rang true to us. It felt, if you go back to sort of the one of the first uh, questions, if since we put in the work to define our identity and we know what authentically being us looks like, we can very easily fit ideas into... Yes and no, right? Like pursue or don't pursue or maybe pursue later, right? And this was like a pursue, right? So we moved fast on this. We built this thing. We brought in architects that it's like, literally, we need architects to build this digital, you know, headquarters, um, which is super cool because it's, uh, you know, the phrase for a, a mullet, you know, business in front party in the back. <laughs> That's kind of the, the philosophy we applied here. So it looks like this very traditional stately, uh, almost Greek, uh, you know, structure. It's quite, quite nice. It's like glowy and orange, which is our brand colors. And it's got like this beautiful stone facade. Um, and it's resting on a cement bedrock that has graffiti on it. So there's some, like, there's a metaphor there, right? Like this, like very traditional, real stable thing. that's sort of built on this, like, you know, edgy FinTechy, you know, um, you know, platform foundation. And again, like, when we came up with that, it's like, yep, yeah, that's us, right? Very, very quickly, very easily. And then, so uh, that's the, the front. And in the back, if you walk through this, um, and this is your avatar, of course, this is the metaverse, it's in Decentraland. So um, if you walk through this, if you go to the ATM and press the button, it opens up this very old school bank vault. You walk through the bank vault and into this kind of pool party space, right? And in glowy orange letters, relax, you're banking with Quantic right? there's a DJ playing beats and you can get your NFT wearable orange glasses and a Quantic hat. And it's just a cool space. And there's like a little pool in the middle where you could be like waist deep and you can have conversations with other people in the metaverse. So why do we do this, right? We did this because in the same way that with the ring and um, bringing wearables to consumer finance, um, we did that because we want to be the the bank that got you into wearables, right? We wanna be the company. We wanna be the bank that got you into the metaverse. So we're not really trying to cater to, and the same thing goes for um, Bitcoin rewards checking or the Bitcoin savings account that we're about to launch. We're not doing that necessarily. We're not precluding this audience. Like the crypto enthusiasts more than welcome. We have a number of those customers already, but it's really for the people who wanna step into crypto, right? They're hesitant, like crypto's hard. You, if you hear your friends talk about crypto, and you're not savvy, like it just sounds like a bunch of buzzwords, right? And so how can you get into it? Well, you can open up an account very quickly, very easily, and start to earn Bitcoin by basically doing nothing, right? Now you're all of a sudden into crypto. And the same thing goes for the ring and the same thing goes for the metaverse. So we want to lead customers, we want to lead people kind of into the frontier a little bit, right? In our own little humble way. So I think, um, I think that's what we're, we're trying to do here. Wow!
1: No, I love that. Well, I'll be definitely be uh, hanging out by the pool, listen to the DJ. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we got to figure out the music. One of um, um, uh, someone on my team, uh, her brother is a DJ. So we're talking to him, but we'll 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 see. Uh, we do want to have a launch party. We want it to be for our customers and our employees. So that comes first, and then we're going to sort of open it up and uh, just sort of see what happens.
1: No, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you being on the pod here, Aaron. Um, time just flew by. So <laughs> it's amazing talking to you. Uh, where can our listeners connect with you online if they have any follow up questions or just want to uh, connect and hear more?
0: Yeah, I think LinkedIn's the best spot. Um, so, Aaron Wallner, if you search on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Uh, reach out. And um, yeah, glad to have any conversation with any marketers and non marketers out there. It's These are exciting times. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely and since we're on the topic of marketing this is a marketing and branding podcast so my last question to you aaron is what's maybe one word or phrase that you would use to
0: describe aaron walner's brand keep on keeping on <laughs> just <laughs> just push forward yeah um i think uh i think we all intuitively know it's it's the journey it's not the destination right' it's probably in people's kitchen somewhere is a hokey phrase but Um, there's a lot to that. And I, I work really, really hard every day to try and remind myself of that. So yeah, this is all very much a journey and, um, yeah, we're just trying to do our best. I'm trying to do our best, my best to uh, enjoy, uh, just enjoy the along the way. Hi, I'm Aaron Walner and you're listening to Joe Momo presents. this episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.